Happy March. Welcome to the Just Hoops podcast. It's our favorite month of the year, basically, for most of us. I don't know about Jacob because he hates college basketball for some reason. But um, happy March. Fun time of year. It's getting started, getting getting heated up. Uh, conference plays coming to an end. Tournaments are getting all set up. Jacob, you have anything to add? No, welcome to the podcast. We got myself, Josh, Rob, and Jerome is back with us after his long season. He uh, he was getting buckets out there, shooting at a really high clip. So he had a really good year. Sadly, they sadly they didn't win and go further than I thought they would. But hell of a year. So Rome, just before we get into it, how like break down your year? How was it? Bro, it was good, bro. I, I started off um, really good this year, and then I kind of had a – I went into a slump in, like, like the first two weeks of January, but after that, it went back up. It was really good. That's what – dude, looking at your numbers throughout the year, you were shooting at, like, a clip clip. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, was shooting like, I was shooting, like, 50% at one point from three during the year. That, what did you end with, 42 40, I think, I think 40, 40, I think it's like 40 on the dot. That's dude. Yeah. Like that's insane. Still that's 40 from deep. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's what on the next year, on the next year, you're going to get 45. Literally. I'm telling you. Shoot, shoot. And then you're going to get paid and play overseas. <laughs> man. But, uh, so today we're going to preview champ week, talk about conference tournaments. As Josh said, that everything's rounded in shape and we got, we got a slow squad here. So we're going to start off before, before we do another uh, shout out to another previous podcast person member, I guess we could say. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Barry on being, what was it? All rookie team in his conference. Yeah. He, he had a good year. He had a good year. He had a very good year. Also, just I, that just came back to mind, but you can continue. Just wanted yeah. to shout him out also. Shout out Oscar. But, all right, let's dive into this real quick. So, we're going to talk about all the Power Five and the Big East more, but we're going to start off with mid and low major, and we're each going to pick a team and a conference that we're excited to watch and that we think will go well into March, and then a player that we're excited about. So... Wants to kick it off. Um, I'll go. Uh, so my conference that I was really looking into is—it's very like. I feel like it's on the rise. It's on up and up. Uh, the A10, which has like probably I'd say four, five teams that could all make like have a chance at making the tournament just. Based off of their, uh, like, just based off the season, I guess, their records. Um, Davidson is the one seed right now. They have had an amazing year. They're 24 and four. Um, We talked about them in a previous podcast and some of the shooters that they have on their team. They have a previous Michigan State player in the transfer port from the transfer portal, Um, uh, Foyer, that's his name. they're just watching them from November until now, just how they've changed uh, as a team and how they've grown. They could definitely make a impact in March. 
um, VCU, uh, Dayton, St. Bonaventure, uh, and Richmond. I feel like all these teams all have something that like sets them apart. Like they, they, that is a very, very solid conference for being a mid-major conference. Um, St. Bonaventure earlier in the year, I watched a lot of them in March in the Charleston classic and they're just like, they got some players. They have, if they get, if they get some energy going, they got like, they could definitely run with this tournament and definitely have a solid outing in March. Um, but this will be a very interesting tournament to watch uh, just to see who wins out of that top five. The A-10 really do be some of the best basketball in college. Like it, it's high quality. You got big time players, big time programs. They're basically like we, we were talking, me and Rob and Dylan were talking about this like not too long ago, how the A-10 and the American are just like, they're like that top tier mid-major that you know what you're getting. And it's really good basketball to watch. Uh, Rob, who you got? Yeah, so I'll comment a little bit on the A-10. I think that in that league, I think they're going to get two teams into the tournament. I think that Davidson is gets it at large even if they lose the tournament. And I think VCU on the bracket matrix, they are the last um, uh, – they're in the um, – last four end they're the last team in the last four end so you know, if things if they pile a couple more wins i think they'll get an at large but i think there's i think dayton or saint bonaventura or even richmond could win um the tournament there they attend which would then um steal a bid seed from team so i think they could have anywhere from two to four teams max i i think it'll be two though from there, but the conference, uh, the mid-major that I'm most interested in, and I actually watched um, them play last night, uh, is the Mountain West Conference with uh, Wyoming, Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State. I think they have four, uh, they have three teams that are locks in the tournament right now in Boise State, Colorado State, and Wyoming. And San Diego State is a bubble team. I believe in Lenardi's last bracket, they were in the, um, they were in the first team, the first four out. So you have those four teams that can make it. And it's top to bottom, it's a pretty good conference. I mean, when you have Nevada and Utah State, both two teams that are solid programs with Utah State with Jimmy Bean, then at ranked as the seventh seed in the tournament, I think that some interesting things can happen. And I think whoever wins that tournament is going to be going into um, the tournament with a lot of momentum behind them. And I think that there's a couple teams there that will pull off some upsets. And I think Wyoming and Colorado state will both be eight seeds. And if that happens, I could see them beating a one seed in the second round. I, I they are very similar profiles to um, Loyola Chicago last year. So I, I could see them pulling off an upset, especially since the top of the uh, college basketball, as we saw last week, all six teams top one through six losing. I think, I definitely think they could beat. um, any, any one of the top teams on a given night. And the player that I'm most interested in in the Mountain West is uh, that um, uh, David Roddy from Colorado State. We talked about him in the college basketball draft. He's just such a unique player. And I think it'll be interesting to watch him play against some big level competition. So that's who I'm excited for. And that's the conference I'm excited for to watch. Yeah, dude, that's I think the Mountain West is gonna really like show out this year. Like they they got 
they got a lot of teams that are really high level. Like the point that they're about to have probably three, four tournament teams, like that's incredible for mid major and like the team, like even below them, how you were saying like Utah State, Nevada, like those are good programs. So not only not only that, the in like these just two two mid major conferences that we've talked about right now that have a possibility of having more than just that uh conference champion in the tournament. Like yeah. this is that just shows you how good this this uh, college basketball season has been and how kind of wide open it is, like we talked about, like Rob talked about in the last podcast. Um, it's just going to be a lot of fun in March, but you, you can continue. <laughs> so, Jerome, who you got? Mid-majors? Dude, the, the West Coast Conference. Oh, okay. With Gonzaga and St. Mary's. For sure. Dude, St. Mary's is tough. I was watching the other day, and I mean, they can't like stroke it like that. Like they can't shoot shoot as well, but they're like that. I, th- I think they could. I think they could upset a top team in the like a like a, one of the Power Five conferences. I think they could upset somebody in one of them. That's what they they put on a show against Gonzaga. Yeah, they, like, yeah. They tore them apart. That's what I'm saying. Do you uh how do you feel like what player out of that conference are you thinking? Like I feel um, like Chet's the easy answer, but yeah. Uh I would say Chet cuz he he's been tearing it up. Yeah. But Matias Toss, he's a 6'10 senior from St. Mary's. Oh, okay. And he he's like that. That's what he he had a big night against Gonzaga too. Yeah, against Gonzaga, yeah. Even when you look into the middle of that conference, though, like BYU has had a solid year. Uh, yeah. Um, San San Francisco, they've had some uh, big wins out of conference. Like they're just the conference in a whole is kind of like it's 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 kind of it's on the up and up. Um, I know people make fun of Gonzaga for being in a weaker conference. So, oh, they got all these easy games. That's why they have to have a tough non-conference schedule. But this conference is definitely growing at a good pace. Yeah. How many teams are they supposed to have in? I would probably two or three, right? Right now, the WCC, Gonzaga's a lock, is a one seed. St. Mary's is projected as six seed. And San Francisco is projected a 10 seed right now. So as long as they take care of business, win one game in the tournament, then they're fine. As long as they avoid a bad loss, then San Francisco's in. And then the real question is BYU and Santa Clara. Santa Clara is pretty far out. They would have to, they'd probably have to win the WCC or pick up wins against, I, I don't have the WCC's bracket in front of me, but if they picked up a win against say St. Mary's and then Gonzaga and then lost to BYU or San Francisco, I think that would put Santa Clara in and BYU is bubble as well. They need to pick up some wins. So I think they're going to end up beating each other up a little bit. I think they get three. I think they get Gonzaga, St. Mary's and San Francisco, but in that conference, you can see BYU getting a bid steal, especially if St. Mary's can knock off Gonzaga. And St. Mary's is an interesting team because I think that they play, they have a very stout, they have a brand of basketball. They have older guys. Um, their point guard, Kuzi, has been there forever. And I think that 
they, they they have a potential to make a run, but they're one of the teams that I, depending on the 11 seed, say an 11 seed of Memphis gets in or a 11 seed of Oregon that has crazy athletes that can run up and down the court. And if St. Mary's gets behind, I don't know if they have the shooting capabilities to get back in the game. So yeah. that's one of those teams that match up depending that they may get upset in the first round. But if they get some good – like if Indiana somehow makes it into the tournament, if they beat Rutgers and they are on that 11 seed line, St. Mary's would take care of Indiana. But if they, but if it's a team like Memphis or Oregon, I think that's one of those games that you can see 11, six upset, which is pretty common. I think it happens one, six, 11 happens every year. So. Yeah, for sure. That's that conference. They're, they're getting legit. That's what Josh was saying. Like they, you can't, you can't like overlook them. A lot of kids are going into that conference to play Gonzaga and Gonzaga has really lifted that up. And Mark Few has done an incredible job there in Gonzaga. I think that that conference is a really two more teams away from like being considered in the same threshold as like the Mountain West and the American and the A10, that like upper level. And we also didn't mention the Ameri- the A10 is getting um, Loyola Chicago next year. Mm-hmm. So that conference is about to be, it's not going to be big East level, but honestly, is it that going to be that much worse than the PAC 12? It's got, Oh, that, that's a good <laughs> argument. That's a good <laughs> argument. It won't be that much worse. I mean, it, it'll obviously the fans and the money and the revenue streams are completely different, but top to bottom conference challenge. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I low key would take the A10. Low key. Loyola, Chicago, that's, you get, you have, you'll have six teams that are bubble teams in the tournament. And whereas yeah. the Pac 12 has three teams that are locked and one bubble. Yeah. They have four teams that can make the tournament, and that requires Oregon going on a little bit of a run in the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, that's yeah. That I forgot about that. They're gonna be, and then but then also like the American's gonna get worse, which is gonna be. Yes. Yeah, the American is gonna take a big step down. Yeah, but um, for me to round out the mid-major talk, uh, I think the most one of the more exciting tournaments will actually be the SoCon. Uh, they're only going to get their their like conference champ in the tournament, but they play an exciting brand of basketball, and uh, it's very offensive based. I know I'm a defensive guy, but like if you go through the scores from the season, like on average, it's like around seventy some points a game. Like they're they're up there scoring. Like games are going into double overtime, triple overtime. It's highly competitive. With Chattanooga and Furman at the top of the conference, those two teams and their offenses are really high-paced, really fun to watch. I think Furman's going to win the conference. I think Furman also, due to their pace of play and just their like overall style of like basketball, I do think that they could win a game in the tournament, which would be awesome for their program and really like continue to put them in the right steps to maybe move up into a bigger conference and get a shot in pre-conference pre-league play to play SEC teams and play other like high level teams to really stand out and maybe get two bids out of the SoCon. So I'm excited to watch that tournament and I think Furman will win and I think they could do make some noise. But for my player, I'm gonna go back to Mountain West and I want to talk about Matt Bradley from San Diego State. The dude is averaging 17 points a game. 
on a pretty dang efficient clip. He's shooting 42 from three, 45 from the field. He is, he's like doing everything you can ask for from both ends of the floor. Like he's a little bit eh on defense, but he still has 30 steals on the year. Um, He's, he's a high level player. Uh, He might be a big reason why they get to move forward and get out of the bubble, get in the tournament, win a game. Six uh, four guard, two twenty. He has weight to him. He's a he's old too. He has experience. So like, he's the type of guy that I think is prime for March and could definitely like make himself stand out and then also get himself an opportunity to play at the next level. So he's somebody that I'm gonna be tuned into. Yeah. He, did you watch him play last night against Wyoming? I saw. I saw some. He. Uh, he had it in his bag last night. He was shooting NBA threes, like 30 footers. He was all, he is explosive. He is, he is stocky, but he is fast. And he That's what, I, when I saw him take off, I was like, no way like that. He's a, he's a good athlete. Yes. Do, do you think he has any future as being a pro? I, that's why I think if he has a good March, I do think he could be a second-round flyer and then pop off in the summer league and then get himself a two-way. Like, I could see it. His scoring ability is something I was – that was my biggest takeaway last night at the versus – because Wyoming's a great defensive team. Yeah. And they were throwing bodies at him. And he I, he had one move where he um, took it to the right side of the floor, spun back, and then jumped over a seven footer and finished at the rim. And I was like, wow, like that guy looks like a linebacker doing that and he's jumping over people. And he's a lefty. He has a good shot. He, I, I really like him. He, I, I totally agree with you with San Diego state too. If they get in the tournament and he gets hot, like they can upset a lot of teams, honestly. And that, that's why that mountain West conference, I think San Diego state's a dark horse to win, win the mountain West, just because they got a guy like that that they can lean on that can get buckets whenever. That's like I I know I said the SoCon and stuff, but like I really was looking at the Mountain West. And I was like, do I like I feel like the Mountain West is like that mid major conference this year. I really do, and I think like each of those teams, like Wyoming, could make a run. Uh, San Diego State, uh, I think Colorado State could win a game or two. Like, these are good teams that play really good basketball on a nightly basis. Like, it'll be interesting for sure. I'm also, like, a fan of the mid-major, so I am biased. But Yeah, did you – so my one thing for the Southern Conference is I think Wofford is a sleeper team. Dude, they, just, they always, man. <laughs> they're great. They're well-coached. They have a couple decent – I'm looking at their schedule right now. They beat um, Georgia, which I know Georgia is terrible, but it's still a power five school on the road. Yeah. They beat Georgia. They almost beat Clemson and they finished fourth. And they have a, uh, I, I watched, I remember watching the game against Georgia. They have a seven footer who shoots 46% from three. So BJ yeah. Matthews. They're fun. To, I think they're a sleeper in that conference. That The whole conference with the SOCOM, man, it's offense. It's just bang for bang. Like, who's going to outscore who? It's so exciting. Like, that's why I, I just, I'm going to probably, I'm going to try to tune in as much as possible. But when you go um, down all those teams, though, like historic, when you go down all the, like, all the teams in their conference historically, they all have always been in close games whenever they make it into this 
Portland. Yeah, like, for real. Yeah. <laughs> just you because that like, Wofford almost beat um, Kentucky with Tyler Hero and them a few years ago. Mercer beat Duke uh, a couple years ago. Um, UNC Greensboro is always a fun team to watch. Like Furman a few years ago had a, had a solid outing in the tournament. Like teams have stor- have history in, in the tournament. That's what the, it's such a unique brand that they could always make noise. But now it's on to the big dogs. Uh, we are going to go conference by conference and Actually, we're going to break it down one by one. So we'll first talk about a team we're interested in in each conference, and then we'll say our winner, and then we're going to talk about player. Okay? So for we're going to start with the ACC, and who's up? Who wants to go first? I'll start. We'll go the same order. Um, okay. So for the ACC, I've it's like it's kind of just like, you feel like Duke's Duke's the big favorite right now, but I'm really interested in what Notre Dame can do just because they're like, if you look at their schedule, if you look at um, what they've done throughout the season, it's very impressive and they don't get enough love for what they've done. Um, they have big, uh, big win over Kentucky. Um, they're second in the ACC right now. Uh, they're, I love their offense. They play, they run a, uh, a Euro offense where they just move, they get to the ball to like three, four sides, each possession. They just move the ball. Um, they're two guard. I was, I was honestly thinking about putting him in my draft last week, just because I love how he plays uh, Blake Wesley. He's a stud. Um, he is a stud. He's going to be something else. Like he's, he's a freshman, right? Freshman or sophomore. Um, he's young. Uh, yeah, he's, a, he's a freshman. He's a bucket. Yeah. He's, I, lo- I love what Notre Dame has. They have so much potential. Um, I really think that could make have Duke give Duke a run for their money. Um, they struggled with them earlier in the season, but that was one of their worst offensive games. Uh, they ended the game ended um, 57-43, and I know they had like 13 points at halftime, and they, that was one of their at home. That was one of their worst offensive outings all season, but I've. I think that they could definitely make a run, but that's that's basically all. I'm just staying with Notre Dame <laughs> through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I think for the ACC, like you said, I mean, it's Duke's the best team. It's not even honestly close. Like, they're the only team in that conference that will probably make it to the second weekend. And they're the only team that I can see getting to the lead eight, only team I can see getting – like, it's, it's Duke. So – the rest of the conference, though, if you look at minus Notre Dame, you go three through like nine. It's really interesting, actually. Like those, all those teams are kind of lumped together. You have a little bit of a tier where they right now there's they're projected to have five teams into the tournament, but probably through the um, conference play, they'll pick up some losses. And what's unfortunate right now for the ACC is because they've done so badly, their net rankings are all really low. So when they play each other, they don't have quad one or quad two wins. And that's what's so the, the big 10 gets so much credit for. And the big East is that almost every game is a quad one game. So you have so many opportunities to add to your resume that if you don't win, it's fine. But I think that the team that I'm interested to see 
It's I was gonna go Syracuse just because like they always throw teams around, like throw teams off their two three zone. March and, is the time for the orange. Yeah, I just I don't think it is this year. I really don't. And, uh, <laughs> I guess I guess the team I'm interested in seeing how they're gonna do is Florida State, just because they have to win the tournament to get in the ACC, and I absolutely think they can. They that buzzer beater they had against Virginia was actually crazy. They've had a bunch of health injuries, but they have talent on their roster. They have, a, I think they have four seven footers and a bunch of them can shoot. And I think that the, in the last 10 games are two and eight. So they're not going in hot. So this is kind of like, honestly, a pretty bad pick, but I think Florida state, if they get going right, I think that teams will under look them. And I think Leonard Hamilton is the, Right now, the second best, third best coach in the ACC behind Coach K and Jim Behind. So I think that they could outcoach teams. Well, who do you think's better? What's Mike Breen does not get enough. Mike Breen doesn't get love. Um, ACC has like got a yeah, lot of solid coaches. Like they've been bringing like them. Uh, like basically every um, Power Five conference has very very good coaching. Yeah, I agree. So, Leonard Hamilton needs more love, though, too. Leonard, he does. I like that's yeah. The ACC coaches need more love in general. I feel like the SEC gets too much love just because they're all fiery coaches. But like, yeah, ACC well, they have a bunch of young guys that people like, like Eric Musselman and mm-hmm. Nate Oates and Bruce Pearl. Like, I mean, it's hard not to like those guys. They're just yeah. their energy is contagious. They're I mean, Eric Musselman, when they beat Auburn, he, he has a broken shoulder and he's taking off his shirt. they to run around. Like, how can you not love that? Like, how, you can't. Bruce Pearl always has clothes off during the football game. Like, he's just like, it's an, those, that conference is, like, different with their coaches. But, yeah, and as far as Notre Dame, I think that they are the second-best team in the conference. And for all Indiana purposes, the more they win, the better that win looks for IU. And – I'm really sad that Blake Wesley chose Notre Dame over Indiana. So that's all I have to say. That's a, yeah, I, I like that Florida State thing. But uh, Rome, who you got? What, what team interests you? Dude, definitely North Carolina. After watching them play, uh, I think it was it was last night. Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse hit the one to tie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that they put on a show last night. That was, uh, they kind of whooped the Cuse in overtime. But yeah, they definitely did. What 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 about them? Uh, you got big like, Armando Baycott. Yeah, big Armando Baycott and Caleb Love. I like how they play together. Like in the pick and roll, I, I think it's really hard to stop them. They're, they definitely have a lot of potential. Like they're they got all the pieces that they need. Yeah. They just gotta find a way to put that together. Mondo been playing really good too. Mm-hmm. Mondo's yeah, he has. Very has. We don't give him credit. I'm telling you, he he's a, he's a traditional he, big. No one yeah, he's, he's averaging sixteen and twelve. He's <laughs> dominating. He really is. Um, do you think that? Oh, Rob, where's Carolina in like tournament talk? Yeah, so North Carolina's win last night was actually huge for them because what's going with North Carolina's resume right now is that they have no bad losses, but they have a bunch, but they also have no good wins. They're one and seven in quad one and two play, which 
is not great for your resume. You usually want like, usually the numbers around three or four when you're in a bubble team, you want three or four quad one wins or, or quad two wins. So last night it, they avoided a bad loss. They're not going to get knocked for losing to Duke, which they are going to lose to Duke on, on Saturday is coach K's last game. Duke's not losing that game. Um, put your house on it, but um, watch them lose now. And I'll look stupid. For real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh boy, now I have a root for Duke. But <laughs> anyways, uh North Carolina, they're uh they're they're a bubble team. They're I think let me look at back the bracket matrix has them as an eleven seed. These um they're they're in the last four they're in the last four buys, they're second team in the last four buys. So they're in a good spot. Basically, win one in the ACC tournament, they're guaranteed it. If they lose to Duke by like 20 and then they lose uh again then they're going to be sitting on selection sunday hoping for no bid steals and if there's no bid steals they probably still get in but they'll be sweating it out so if they win one in the acc tournament which it looks like they're probably going to be playing the winner of um it, they're probably going to play um Cle uh, either clemson or virginia so if if they get one of those, if they win that, they're in. So I think they're in a decent spot. They That win last night was huge for them. They, they, they couldn't have afforded a loss there. That's what I, I personally was going to talk about UNC too, because I think that last night they're kind of like, they looked like they were clicking a little bit. Even like I know the zone slowed them down, but I thought like there was a lot of good things that they showed at both ends of the floor, I thought, that could add up into – winning in March. They're on four game win streak now and Mondo love these guys are playing really well, but I'm going to pivot and talk about more of a dark horse with the Boston college Eagles. Um, Boston college, man, uh, they're six and 12 in conference play. Uh, they went on a little run a couple, couple days ago that uh, they racked up some wins, not couple for the past couple weeks. Um, and uh they just um they're just i i can't like i guess it's kind of a biased thing because of uh knowing coach grant knowing some of the guys knowing the gas knowing the staff a little bit and i think that they're priming themselves up to finish the season well they play miami on wednesday and then they also have one more game against um Georgia Tech to round out the regular season. And I think that they're not going to be an easy out. Um, I think Makai Ashton Langford is a NBA prospect. He's not going to be able to get drafted this year. I think he needs to stay one more year. But overall, I just – I think their brand of basketball is so different compared to most of the ACC that it can cause problems because they're highly physical. They – like to make it gritty like a lot of their wins are rock fights they make things tough for the other team and they really make you work and earn everything so i know it's a little bit of a biased pick but i think that they're going to be a really interesting team to watch if they win the first game i feel like they're like if they get hot and they're definitely going to be a tough team to beat just because i feel like they're they have a lot of like like if if Brev gets hot, like yeah, 
They're gonna be. They the need that. Guys. That and Makai are kind of like. They need Brev. Shout out to Brev, but they need Brev to really lock in and shoot good shots and shoot efficiently for the offense to get in flow. And I know that that kind of sounded like I was taking some stabs at him, but like. It's yeah. like the truth. If they're trying to win games, he needs to be smart with his decision-making. And then also Makai, he just needs to keep hooping. That guy, he's a hooper. He really is. But now on to – this part should be pretty quick. Who do we each think is going to win the conference? Josh. Okay. Oh, yeah, I go? I'll go, I'll go last. I think Carolina's going to win it. Dang it, why are we going like that? Okay. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just everybody say who they think. Yeah, just go down the line. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Carolina too. I, am I really the only person who's gonna say Duke? <laughs> I think I think we're all just I think we're all just like, let's see if Duke would do actually. <laughs> all right, I'll take Duke. I'll I'll be the one who takes Duke. I'll stand by them. Notre Dame. I don't want to root for Duke, but I guess I will now. <laughs> I mean, top to bottom, they're the most talented team. They're the best coach team. I think minus any flukes, and as long as they take care of business, then I, I honestly think that they, they're going to be favored by almost double digits in every game. So, I yeah. mean, I, I think I'm, I'm going to take Duke. could be pretty confident on it. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I I respect the North Carolina pick, but at the same time, I just I I think Duke's gonna win. <laughs> yeah, Josh, who you got? Syracuse. Wait, defend it. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. I'm going Notre Dame. Okay. I think they're gonna cause problems. I think they're gonna they're gonna come in with a motive, um, and they're gonna they're gonna get get the job done. I feel like. I just like them as a team. Yeah, they're a good group. Carolina, I think, is just clicking at the right time. That's yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, and then last thing about the ACC, uh, what player are you thinking is going to make some noise? You start. Go same. Start. Order. I think personally, I think Mondo. I think Mondo is going to probably like. If they're going to win, it means he's going to have to average probably like 20 and 15. And I don't think that that's far-fetched to say that he can't – like he could do it. Like he's more than capable. He's been dominating all year. Rome said he's averaging 16 and 12 now. He He's getting – I think he finally like found his fit, found his flow there. Uh, he struggled early in his career. He's a junior now, and he's finally like – understanding what he needs to do at both ends. He's still not the best defender, but he knows now how to use his body. And he's an underrated playmaker out of the post too. And I really like that. Um, As a player though, I think like if he plays well, Carolina will win. And if he plays well, he can get himself into conversation for a second round pick. So I think that there's a lot riding for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Jacob. I'm going with uh, Mondo too. I mean, like I said, like you said, if, if they play, if they um, if he plays good, they're going to play good because they're going to feed off his energy. For sure, for sure. Rob? I'm going to go with Alondez Williams from Wake Forest. I think that 
Wake Forest has some potential. They're kind of a dark horse team. I mean, we haven't talked about them at yeah. all, and it's they don't have they're not flashy. They got a lot of older guys. I think that the team rides with him, and they have they're they're going to have a pretty favorable schedule to, in the ACC tournament. So I think that he will make some noise, and I think that he he's a good player. He can score at all three levels. I think he, he's really quick, and I I think that. Wake Forest is a team that will go under the radar of a lot of people. And I think that when first brackets come out, they're going to be around a eight seed, a nine seed, and they're going to really be underlooked. And I think that if they get that, I think a lot of times like people are going to pick against them just because they haven't watched any of Wake Forest, but they're a fun team. They're a good team. And I think that Alondis Williams will do some, do some stuff in this tournament. I like it. I like it. Josh, round it out. Um, I'm going to go with all of Miami's backcourt. Um, from Charlie Moore, Isaiah Wong, and Cameron McGusty. Um, kind of their core of their team. Uh, I'm mainly looking at Isaiah, Isaiah Wong because he had a ton of hype coming into the season. Um, he's, big, he's, he's a pro. Like, he's... He's definitely, he's definitely like, he definitely has a next level talent. I just feel like at some points he does not take the best shot opportunities. His three point percentage is below 30% right now. Um, But he's definitely someone that's going to have a huge impact on Miami if they're going to make a run in this ACC tournament. So that was it with the ACC. Now we are moving on to the Pac-12. So, in terms of the Pac-12, I know we are out of the people in the podcast. Uh, we're all East Coast time, so we probably haven't watched that much. So, uh, now no shade, but they the Pac-12 is always one of those conferences that like does get shade just because of the West Coast, and it's always rough to stay up and watch, and it might not be the best basketball at times, but. Let's go to the bright side. Josh, what team are you looking forward to watching? If you stay up. Yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> um, I mean, like the top of the conference is very, very good. Um, from UCLA, USC, and Arizona, the top three. And Oregon can make a some noise, too. Um, uh, it's hard to uh, – Arizona is definitely a team that could – be cutting down the nets in a month. Um, but I want to see UCLA kind of get their steam going back together. Uh, they've had – they kind of – I would say it's more of an underwhelming season from what they were expected to do coming in. Um, but like I said in the last podcast, I love Tiger Campbell, um, Johnny Juzang. I love, like, I, I love their team. Uh, uh, Jamie Jacquez. Jacquez, yeah. Jamie Jackson. Hockey Jr. is, dude. You couldn't think of hockey is. Hockey is. Yeah. That's he said it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't listen to the broadcast. Um. <laughs> I he's I he's like he is probably one of the best glue guys in all of college basketball. He's um. Like I love watching him and Tiger Campbell together. Uh, I like those like kind of underdog guys, the guys that don't get a lot of noise. I guess you could say. Um. But UCLA is definitely the team that I'm looking forward to to catching some steam and hopefully and trying to get back to where they were last year.
that's uh I think that they have the talent to do it for sure. But uh Rob, what what do you think with them like toward like what info do you have with them like tournament wise? Yeah, so basically the Pac-12 max four four bids and that's if Con- Oregon gets going because Arizona's pretty much a lock for a one seed. USC is around a six seed and UCLA is around a three, four seed. And if Oregon wins a couple games, they could get in. But basically I write off the Arizona game and how, and that loss that they just had to Colorado because Colorado is a tough place to play at. So Boulder, it's up in elevation. The actually fun fact, I was listening to a podcast on the road trip between um, Utah and CU, there's in the past 20 years, uh, 20 teams have done it. Guess how many teams have won both games in the past 20 years? Um, I'll say two. One. One team in the past 20 years has swept the Colorado, the CU Boulder, and the Utah series. And it's tough playing at elevation. It's a weird place to play. So I don't take off that loss for Arizona. I completely agree with Josh. I think that they can win it all. I think that USC is a team that a lot of people are going to pick to lose in the first round. I think they're going to be – because if you look at their resume, they don't have that many quality wins. They, they're out of – their non-conference was one of the weakest non-conference schedules. I think it was ranked in the 300s. Their – yeah, let me look. Their best non-conference win was probably at San Diego State, which is a great win, but – other than that, you're looking at like Florida Gulf Coast, which would have been a great win like six years ago. Dixie <laughs> State, they almost lost to Pacific, Cal State Northridge, St. Joe's, which again, that would have been a good win a long time ago. So they, they don't have a great non-conference resume. So I think a lot of people are going to pick them as an early like favorite upset, like as like that 11-6, but Again, I, I think that USC actually does have a lot of talent. I, my favorite player to watch in the Pac-12 is Drew Peterson. He's uh, six foot eleven, or he's six foot. He's six ten, and he plays like a guard wing position. But he he does everything. He shoots. He blocks shots. He's a transfer from Rice, which I have no idea how. Like a guy that talented did not get picked up by any Power Five conferences and. I'm from Houston, so I know exactly where Rice is, and it is not the home haven of basketball. Like, so I'm a guy that comes up from mid major to uh, power five. It's um, it's really impressive when those guys come up and play that way. And they got some fun players. I love Isaiah Mobley. I think he's one of the best point forwards, and you know, pedigree of Evan Mobley. It's good, good, good brother system. Good, a lot of good blood in that that family but i think the pac-12 it's you talk about those four themes and i i I really don't think you can even colorado is two wins three wins away from being a win away so i I still don't think they're worth the conversation unless they make the pac-12 championship that's what for my interesting team is colorado so you come off of a win near the end of the season versus arizona you like you're not playing bad basketball of late, but you're not playing great basketball of late. But at the same time, you have talent, and you're ending the regular season with a matchup versus Utah. So you have a very winnable game at Utah to end the season. And then they, I, I think that they have more talent than 
they play like. Like, yes, they are fifth in the Pac-12. Or, f yeah, fifth in the Pac-12. They're playing, like, kind of to the level of their competition, I think. But I, I think that they could win a couple games. Like, I think that they could win two games and then have a shot at that conference championship. Because I think Oregon's fluky. I think UCLA, if they get hot, is scary. But if they're not hot, they're fluky. If USC isn't going, USC's so up and down all year too that like, I know that they're twenty five and four, but like, I I just don't think that the product on the floor was phenomenal from start like most of the year. And Arizona, Arizona is the king of the conference by far, but I think Colorado has a real shot at doing something and making noise. So they're the team that I'm really going to be tuned into to see what what they do, but. Jerome had technical difficulties, so it's just us three now. Now we're going to talk about the winner. So who we each got winning the conference? Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> not that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with UCLA just because they've proved they have tournament success in the past. They're good in tournament settings, and I think that um, I think they have out of all the teams, if Everyone gets clicking at the right. I think UCLA's ceiling is the highest out of anyone in the conference. Yeah, that that's completely fair. If they get hot, I don't know how you stop them because they'll definitely have – they have yeah, the they experience get, and the talent. If they get hot, I mean, you saw it last year. They're a Final Four team. And yeah. it's the same team from last year, and they added Miles Johnson, who's an amazing shot blocker. So you – you you've seen they 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 have the talent to make a run so that's what i'm gonna go with i think i think that it's between any of the four that we said and yeah. really any of the three ucla usc arizona for sure we already we kind of touched on this but like this con the only problem with this conference is just kind of how inconsistent i kind of wouldn't like i guess we could say it is like you never know what you're getting every night except from like Arizona. That's what Arizona's been the only consistent team. Like for real. Like it, to be completely honest, Arizona has been that team that's you see them on a nightly basis and they do what they do. And like I don't know like what else you can say about them. They're about to be a one seed. They're about to have their okay. shot at cutting down the nets. Huh? They got coach of the year. Lloyd's probably coach of the year. It's him or Cooley. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Mark Adams for Texas Tech. So I guess it's between those three guys. But mm -hmm. for me, Lloyd gets my my pick. Yeah, he did an awesome a first year coach, like nobody had expectations like this. And this man shows up and you have a twenty five and three season going into your conference tournament game. Or conference tournament. Like he did an awesome job. Yeah. But last part of the Pac twelve, what players are we looking forward to watching? John Johnny uh, Tiger Campbell. Yep. Just oh, you got Johnny. Oh, my bad. <laughs> you got it. Oh, just scoring ability. Johnny Juzag. I think he's can be the most fun player in that conference. So I'm I'm gonna go Johnny. And then Josh got Tiger. Yeah, I thought I thought he said Josh. That's <laughs> I thought he was like Josh Go, but yeah, I got Tiger Campbell. I already talked about him in the previous podcast, but he's one of my favorite players in college basketball to watch. For me, I'm gonna go with uh Jabari Walker from Colorado. Uh he is a six nine guard, in my opinion, with his skill set and his like his length, his versatility. 
He, uh, I got to watch a couple of games of Colorado, and I think like he stood out as probably like I think that he is their he's their guy. He's if he plays well, he's gonna be a major part in me like my prediction of them having a shot at doing anything special. He's gonna be a major part in that, and I think with his size, length, athletic ability, he's efficient. He's averaging nearly a double double with fourteen and nine. Uh. I think he has a shot if he plays well in March to really get some noise around his name with draft talk. But uh, I think he could have a really special tournament and hopefully get himself into March. So now it is time to move on to bigger and better things. Uh, the Big East. Um, so the Big East, I am a lover of this conference, and uh, well, are. <laughs> yeah, um, I we're gonna start off again as we did with the other two. Um, what team are you interested in watching? Uh, I'll start it off. Um, I'm going with Villanova. Uh, Villanova's battle tested. They, I don't know, I don't know the rank like the rankings, but they have to have a top three strength of schedule. Um, they played UCLA, Tennessee, Purdue, Syracuse, Baylor, all in their non-conference. And then the Big East is one of the best conferences in all of college basketball this season. They just, uh, as we are speaking, they just finished out a win against Providence. Um, so they're, they are right now tied with the one seed, but I think Providence has the advantage. They split their season, so Providence has that advantage. Um but Colin Gillespie, um, just a demon on the floor. He's one. Of, he's also another one of my favorite players to watch in college basketball. Um, he's been for the past few years. Uh, I just love his toughness, and that not only just like this whole team has a certain level of toughness to them. That's just what Jay Wright brings, and they're going to be a fun team. And I really think they could make it very, very far in the tournament later this season yeah like you can't knock nova man they're they're big time but rob who who are you interested in watching yeah so the big east is actually from a standpoint one of the most talented conferences top to bottom in my opinion i think it's actually the most competitive conference in all of college basketball because you look talk to brother preach they own, there's only three teams who or there's only four teams who aren't in the tournament. That's St. John's, Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown. But St. John's is better than if St. John's is in the Pac-12, I think you're talking about them the same way you're talking about Oregon, where they're a couple wins away from making the tournament, honestly. So I think that the big the big east is so interesting. And I think that a team that I'm not necessarily most interested in watching, but I'm most interested in seeing what they do is Xavier just because they've been on such a losing streak. I believe in their last 10, they have in their last 10, they've lost seven in their last seven. They've lost six and they are, they were once projected a six seed as early as February 2nd. And now they are projected a nine seed. They're the last nine seed. So they're slipping. If, I still think they're a lock in the tournament, but their schedule's hard. If they lose at St. John's on um, uh, tomorrow night, I don't know because they're only they have St. John's and Georgetown. 
Georgetown wins not going to do anything that it doesn't matter as much as we love Georgetown and the historical greatness of them they they're not good this year so if Xavier loses to St. John's and they don't win a game in the tournament I think they're right on the bubble and they're really relying on their win against Ohio State and now Ohio State win is getting worse and worse by the day I mean Ohio State just lost to Nebraska tonight so they I think that Xavier is they're a team that is concerning to me. And if they do make the tournament, I think that they have a lot of talent, but they 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 don't play too cohesively and their defense is just, I mean, their last games, I'm looking at it, they gave up 82 points to, uh, to Seaton Hall. They gave up 99 to Providence. They gave up 73 to uh, UConn, 86 to St. John's. And then they went on a little bit of streak, but they, they've just not been too connected defensively. So I think that that's the team I'm looking out for. I think that's the storyline in the big East right now. I like that. Uh, they're uh, definitely uh, like, they really did start so well and then drop off so fast. It's, it's kind of crazy to see, but it's, that's just like one of the things of college basketball, man. It's so unpredictable and it's in such a deep conference too. The conference, it's it's brutal every night. It's it's a battle, and even Butler, Butler almost be Providence. Like they, they're that. I think it's the toughest conference to play in, personally. And you have all the history with all those schools too, and they're all basketball schools. Every night, the stadium's full. So, yes. I I couldn't agree more. That's why, for my interesting team, I'm going with DePaul. Uh, I think that we have ourselves the setup for another Georgetown story like last year where you can have somebody go to Madison square garden and just rattle off some wins. Uh, DePaul, they have had health issues this year. They are currently having seven or eight scholarship guys on the roster. Uh, they are playing hard. They, uh, they just, they're on a two game win streak. Now they, I, ju- I honestly enjoyed tuning in like the past couple games I've been able to see. I have Max hasn't been on the podcast, but Max is part of the Just Hoops fam. He uh he's been ha- keeping me in the loop with things that have been going on there and they're building something special. And Javon Freeman, their guard, he's a special player. Uh coach Stubblefield is doing an awesome job with very limited very limited resources. And I could see if they continue to click right now that they could rattle off four or five wins right now and end up in the tournament and then really shake things up because you have Providence, Villanova, Connecticut, Creighton, Marquette, Seton Hall. Those teams are like – I think that you can honestly see over half of them going to the second weekend. Like you can genuinely see it. Like Seton Hall and Marquette and Creighton, like yeah, they're – uh, three through or four through um six in the conference, but like those are legit teams, like high level competitive teams that play their brand of basketball at a really high level, and I could I I like what DePaul's doing. I know it's a shot in the dark, but I think that they could rattle off some wins, and I think it'd be really interesting and it'd be a fun story, like Georgetown last year was. So. I don't think that's a like a far, like a reach, just because of how many close games they've been in. 
Every they, game's been close. That's they, yeah. they have seven games that have been within five points. Six of them were in conference play. Yeah. And like they could if they pulled out uh, like let's say if they pulled out four of those conference games, they're up at the five or six right now. Yeah, they're with uh, they're with C and Hall. Like that's just just thinking about that, like they're definitely it's in them being at the bottom of the like the second to bottom of the Big East right now is not really like if you looked at the standings, it's kind of lying to you just because of how, but that's also saying how strong this conference is that this nine, the ninth team in the conference can have a chance to make a run. Yeah. 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 Best player, uh, Javon Freeman Liberty, best name in college basketball. So gotta get some love there. He's a stud too, man. He is a stud. Oh my god! But now, who's winning the conference? Who we all got? I got Nova. They're just like I said earlier, battle tested. I really don't like they've been. They've basically been through it all. Um, I feel like they're they're kind of clicking now too. Also, so I definitely think that they are the team that I feel like is going to come out with it. Yeah, Rob, who you got? I respect that. I mean, Villanova's the favorite, and they're going to be the favorite for a reason. Colin Gillespie is a proven winner, as we talked about on a couple podcasts. Jay Wright's a phenomenal coach. They got talent across the board. They only run a six-man rotation, which is a bit concerning. They, But they've been doing it all season, and they're just fine. So I don't think they're going to get burnt out. I think they're in great condition. I'm not worried about that. For me, my sleeper team that I was going to go with was Creighton because I love what they do. They shoot the ball like crazy. They have a seven-footer who is a freak down there. He can stretch the floor. He blocks shots. But then Nimhard got hurt. So I don't think they can do that because he was just such a clinical part of their offense. So I'm going to go with UConn. I'm going to go with the Huskies. And I think that they really – play well and connected together they almost beat auburn in the battle for atlantis they have a lot of talent they did did beat auburn i think did they yeah and then did they you're right they did they beat did beat auburn and then they lost to michigan state michigan state yeah yeah so they have the talent to win top games and love rj cole he's phenomenal guard and then adama sonogo is one of the best bigs he's probably he probably is the best center in the uh, um, uh, Big East. I'm trying to think of who else would be. Maybe Watson for Providence, but I would say Watson and him are one and two. Like, yeah, so, flip a coin. Yeah, so I think they. I, I think they're a team that can get hot. I love uh, Hurley. I think that he's crazy, and I love it. You, you see him. He got kicked out of the game. The, yes. <laughs> waving to the crowd, getting them riled up during attack. I love that. I love that. And I think another team that uh, – are you going to touch on Providence? Are you going to touch on uh, – A little bit, but you can go. All right, because I think that they absolutely deserve to be talked about because they've won, they won their conference for the first time ever, regular season. I love Ed Cooley. I love what he's done with this team. They, I mean, they almost won tonight. Again, they were down by 20 points at half, and then they – only lost by one. So they, they know how to get in every game. I think that they, they don't get a lot of respect. Like they have wins against Texas tech and Wisconsin. And they're right now projected a three seed in the tournament. And they're like 25 and four 
which is ridiculous. I don't think they get enough respect. I am a bit concerned with them, though, because they don't put away the teams they need to put. They don't blow out teams that they need to blow out. Like, they don't put their foot down on the throat of a team. So I think if you keep – say they get into the second round. I don't think they're going to lose in the first round. But say they get into the second round against one of these Mountain West Conference teams that are hungry, that don't – that play a good tempo, a speed, like a Colorado State or Wyoming. Like – and they let them hang around. Those teams are good enough to win those close games. So I think that that's one thing that concerns me about Providence is that they they haven't been able to show that they have that like six left that six gear to like really put a team away. Yeah, they're that I yeah that's the one thing with them. Even like think about tonight, you're down twenty. You let that happen, and you're you you know you're that good that you shouldn't be down twenty. That should be a game from start to finish. Um, I am, though, I'm going to pick Providence as my winner. I think that they're highly connected when they're playing locked in. That's my, th- like, as you're saying, like, the, the gas isn't always down. on the, Like, they're not always foot on the gas. And when they are foot on the gas, though, they're both ends, highly connected, highly active i love their offense the motion and like flex actions and stuff like that that coolie's throwing out there with their guys they got a ton of guys that can make shots make plays for each other watson's a huge big time presence in the on the interior defensively they're highly active really getting after physical i think that they're a great two-way team and if they figure like it's getting down to the wire but like they need to just go all out like put it all out there every night and you can win a lot of these games by double digits instead of crunch time when you are the more talented, more connected, more together group. So hopefully I, that being said, I still think that they should win the conference. Um, So wrap it up. What players are we ready to see? Uh, I'll start it. Um, I'm going to say Paul Scruggs on Xavier. Uh, he's, he's like, like you guys, uh, like Rob said, how they're going to, like they've been sliding, but they definitely have the ability to make a run in this tournament. Uh, I feel like he's one of the big pieces in that happening. Um, when I watch him, I feel like he's like just like a, a vintage Big East player. Like he's a Big East player. Uh, I just like, I enjoy watching him, but he's definitely that. <laughs> he's definitely that piece. He's that really he, good. He's the, he, he, they need him to play well in this tournament for them to make that run. That's what he's one guy that I was so, I saw him two years ago when they were in the Charleston Classic, and he was amazing. He was amazing. I thought, I thought he's been in the. I thought he's been in college for a while. Like, yeah, he's a he's a junior or senior, but the dude is, he's an incredible basketball player. I think he was hurt last year, if I'm not wrong. That's why he's back. But like, he he's a dude that could go out there and get give you thirty. Like, he is that guy. Um, he's really fun to watch. I love how he's able to create for himself and his teammates. So he's definitely a guy to tune in for. Rob. Who you got? Yeah, I just want to comment on Josh picking out all these Indiana kids. You must like Indiana or something. I don't even notice. 
I'm just going with the high school legend there. All these kids who just didn't commit to IU, man. (laughs) But anyways, I swear I'm not making this an IU podcast. (laughs) But uh, the player that I'm looking forward to for this tournament is Justin Lewis on Marquette. I think that he's a solid wing. He shoots 34% from three. He's their leading scorer for Marquette. He's the heart and soul of that team. Him and Daryl Morsey just do everything. And I think that Marquette's a fun team. And on a non-basketball note, aesthetically, best uniforms in college basketball. So I like watching them. Uh, Rob stole mine. Um, that was a I'm a, I'll talk about the other end of the floor. I think with Shaka Smart there, he is kind of the head of the snake defensively with applying pressure and flying around, and he's a really fun player to watch. But I'm going to pivot and go with Watson of Providence. Uh, the big man is dominant. He does an awesome job at just doing his job. So it's like he'll be just chilling on the porch, and the next thing you know, he's going to have 15 rebounds. Like he is – a beast down low. He's undersized, which is probably one of like his weak points. Like he's 6'10, but he's also like a beast 260 pounds. Like he uh I I always enjoyed watching him. He is he's a grad student, right? I off the top of my head, he's a grad student, I think. Um I'm not sure, honestly. Uh yeah, 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 fifth year. He's a fifth year guy. He's shooting fifty six from the field, which isn't like phenomenal, but he's he's getting mauled down there. Like we all know, Big East physical basketball. Like those those attempts in the paint aren't easy. He shoots sixty ish from the line, but overall, like he's gonna affect your shots in the paint. He's gonna rebound. He's gonna work his butt off to do his job, and he's always fun to watch. High energy dude, but. That is it for the Big East. Now we're going to go to the Big 12. So the Big 12 has probably been one of the more fun conferences this year. Um, I've enjoyed watching them. I think that with the Big East, I think that these are the two conferences that top to bottom are just so competitive and like anyone can win on any given night. And it's really fun to watch. Um... So to start off, who we who we excited to watch? Let Rob start this time. <laughs> yeah, so I was just looking um, to see the toughest strengths of schedule for um, all the teams this year. And Villanova was 10. So, Josh, you're right. They have one of the best, um, toughest conference schedules or t- toughest schedules. Guess how many teams, guys, in the top 10 are in the Big 12 for toughest for strength of schedule? According to I'll say eight. Right in the middle between you two, six, six of the team, which is 60. If you think about that, if you really think about that, that is insane. And that's because they play each other. And that it is such this conference and what you're saying, Jacob, between the Big 12 and the Big East. And I may honestly retract my statement when I said earlier, now looking at it more top to bottom, the Big 12 is just other than Oklahoma State, because Oklahoma State can't make the tournament. There is a chance that I mean, I am West Virginia, but they could get nine teams in out of 10 in the conference out of 10, which is, I mean, things would have to break crazy. Like Kansas state, Oklahoma, West Virginia would have to win out and then meet each other, like in the conference championship and semifinals, like it would have to go right. But 
the fact that that's still a possibility that every single team controls their own destiny still is insane. I So top to bottom, deep conference. They have a lot of fun talent. I think for me, the team that I love watching the most, and it's not necessarily a dark horse, so kind of. They're, they're number th- I'm going Texas Tech. I love Mark Adams. They make the game super sloppy. They play the top. I think they played the hardest defense in college basketball and they're connected. They're physical. They rebound. They do all the little things right. I think that they have a chance to win the Big 12 title. I, they don't have the upper end talent like Baylor and Kansas or Texas, but they got all the connectivity that they need. And I just love watching them, honestly. Dude, they're they're such a fun watch. Such a fun watch. I think that they do have talent. Like I think like yeah, I know Baylor and Kansas have like those high-end dudes, but I think like Shannon, you got um Santo Silva. Those guys could hoop and those guys are high-level players across the board. That's what they, I was going to bring them up too. They they are a phenomenal group and I think that they could win the really like really make noise in March. But Josh, who who are you interested to watch? Um before I go into that, I feel like the only concern with them is that like how good their home court advantage is. I feel like that kind of is a little bit of a default just because they're three and six on the road. Um I'm assuming their other loss was on a neutral site. Um but 18 and 0 home, but just like their their home court is insane. That's every game it's like it's crazy just to watch. Um, but I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I, I've been high on Oklahoma all year. <laughs> I'm continuing this. <laughs> They're bringing mid-major basketball to big, big, uh, big 12. Um, Tanner Groves and his brother are very, very good basketball players. I'm like, they, we remember, we remember them from the, what was that two years ago now last year um with eastern washington in the tournament uh going off um that was uh that was last that was COVID. yeah yeah i think that was like okay yeah but those those two just had an amazing tournament so we've seen them do it before uh tanner groves really leads this team um just like I love how they play. They play with a lot of energy, uh, a lot of fight in them. They're like, like I said, they, they're like, they bring mid-major basketball to the big 12. And I feel like they could definitely make a run in this tournament and shock some people, I guess. They're a good group. I I'm not going to lie. And I, I think Moser, uh, Porter Moser is a phenomenal coach. So, uh, I I think that they can make noise. Like genuinely, I could look at Kansas State and West Virginia and be like, "Hey, like they can win in the conference tournament." Next thing you know, that they're in March. Um, but for the team that I am most interested in, I am a huge Chris Beard fan, so I'm gonna go with Texas. Uh, Tex, I I think that they have some phenomenal players, like individual talent wise between Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, um. Uh, Jones, uh, Andrew Jones. Think. Andrew Jones. Yeah. I was about Andrew to say Jones. Aaron Jones. I'm like, that's not that's not the right sport. His story is phenomenal. Yes, like that kid's story with the whole oh my God, eating yeah. cancer, and now he's he's playing high level basketball again, and he 
he might put himself in contention to get a two-way contract, play well in the summer league. Like, genuinely, he could play basketball. And uh, overall, like Chris Beard, you know what he's given. You know that you're going to have a gritty defense, and offensively it's going to be very – try to hit multiple sides and then get guys in spots to be successful where, like, you saw it for the Final Four team. He got Jared Culver in the middle of the floor. He got – his shooters wide, he'd get um I can't I can't think of his name, but Mooney, Mooney. Oh yeah. Mooney, yeah, Mooney coming into the like like he had like he had guys at tech that were like diamonds in the rough. And I think Texas, now he has guys that are you know what you're getting. You know that they're that guy and I I love Timmy Allen's game. I could talk about that guy for another hour. I think that he is a physical He's skilled. He has great size. He's versatile. He can move really well. Uh, just overall, though, like the same with Texas Tech. Like I think Texas and Texas Texas Tech are two teams that could like make a game. Like how I was saying about Boston College, like make a game rock fight. Like you don't want to play them. They're going to be up in your grill. They're going to be physical. They're going to be overly aggressive to the point where you're going to suffocate as an offense and defensively. You got to deal with high level talent. Like, you got to guard Marcus Carr. You got to rebound and make sure Timmy Allen doesn't get that offensive rebound. You got to make sure that these guards don't get paint. Like, they have really good players across the board, and I'm excited to watch them. I feel like their talent, like, they just, they struggled kind of trying to figure out a way to put that all together. But now yeah. that Andrew Jones and Timmy Allen kind of are their two main guys, like, two two guys that they're going to look to. Um, they've solidified themselves as those two guys. Um, they've really started to kind of turn this season around and rattle off some vic- some wins. Yeah. So who we all got winning the conference? All right. So, well, I don't know if you guys have looked at recent scores, but TCU, just speaking of how competitive this conference is, TCU is winning right now by 12 against uh, Kansas, which again, TCU is fifth in the conference. And I think that Kansas should win it. They ha- I love Bill Self. I love uh, Abaji. I think David McCormick is a solid big. They got shooters. They, they're a really well-rounded team, but I'm going to go with Baylor. Even though they, they lost their starting center, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name. Um, but I love what they do. I love Flo Thamba. I love uh, Nkinjo. I think that um, they got Sohan is really good too. They got a lot of length. And I don't know, you're, you're probably more familiar with this, Jacob, because you're a big NBA guy. But Kendall Brown, the wing they have, who's yeah. starting to rise up on draft boards, I think that he could have – and he's probably my player that I'm going to talk about too because he's just such a fascinating watch because he is an NBA body. Like he's 6'9", athletic, lanky, and that's just kind of like the Baylor build that they have right now yeah. is they have these so much size and length. And you saw it against Texas yesterday. They suffocated them, they, and they won that game on the road in a tough environment because they just out-rebounded, out hustled out did all those things right so i think that baylor is going to win the conference even with the injury they've on a four-game win streak since um he got hit, injured and i think that 
I just I I think that their well coached team obviously they won the national championship last year so it's they're they're good they're they're really good I think Tachawa Tachua is that how you say it close it's, enough I, <laughs> yeah I, I, that's what we're gonna go with <laughs> um yeah you can't knock Baylor like they're reigning champs they reload it they got. They got talent, man, and I I was able to watch that game last night, and I there may not be the most exciting team, but Scott Drew is a mastermind. Just being able to coach these guys and make them so successful consistently. But for me, the winner, I'm gonna go with Texas Tech. Uh, I like my rock fight teams, and I think that they might make more of a rock fight than Texas, and really make it difficult for. Kansas, Baylor, whoever ends up in that title game or that semifinal, like really make it difficult for them. And I'm I'm really high on TJ Shannon. I think that he could be that guy going into March that could pop off, could really explode onto the scene and make plays. So I'm gonna go with Texas Tech as my winner. Um I'm gonna go with Texas. I feel like they're going to – I feel like they're they like – they're kind of getting a little bit of a groove going right now, and I feel like they could take that with their talent and uh, kind of just push push that into the tournament. And if they could get that run, like they have like, – like we've been saying, they have that talent um, that could win this whole tour – win this Big 12 tournament. Um, yeah. We, we talked about them enough. <laughs> Rob, who you so are you gonna bring up uh the Baylor guy as your player? Yeah, I'll stick with Kendall Brown. I'll make it simple. I just I think that NBA body, he's gonna be exciting to watch. Usually these young freshmen, like kind of like Jaden Ivy last year. I they're nothing alike player comparison. I'm just saying like players, like when you think of freshmen who are NBA prospects that emerge in late um late february early march and i think he's starting to bloom so i think that he'll be the guy that i'm looking out for because if kendall brown could become like the guy on their team i think that baylor will be right there to be a favorite for a national championship 100 percent. uh josh who's your player uh marcus carr uh he's already proven that he could be that kind of star guy uh on a team He's struggled this year just with all the talent on that on that Texas team. But I feel like he's if they could if they are going to go and out and win that Big 12 championship, he needs to be their corner piece. Yeah. Um for me, I'm gonna go with TCU's Mike Miles. Uh 6'2 small guard, little bulldog. Uh he is the head of the snake for TCU, and if he plays well, TCU can make some noise. So he's going to be an interesting player to watch. He's averaging um, 15 points per game, near a, a steal and a half, four assists, almost four boards. He's not shooting that efficient, but he's has such a heavy load offensively for them, and defensively he really does a good job at applying pressure and being a, a little gnat on the ball. So – He'll be a fun guy to watch going into the tournament. Now we are on to the Big Ten. So 
Rob is ready to rumble. And Rob, how about you? You give your spiel on the Big Ten. Oh boy, I could talk about them for hours, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> this podcast is already long, so I'll try to keep it as long as I can. I spend by far the most amount of time watching Big Ten basketball, and I will talk about uh, Indiana as minimal as possible, which unfortunately is probably the fair thing for the viewer because there's not that much to talk about. So, um, I think the Big Ten is. I love it because of my fandom for Indiana, but personally, the brand of basketball is not good. The style of basketball in the Big Ten is tackle basketball. I mean, you watch it, and it takes three hours to watch a game because there's a foul every two seconds. And then they'll let you go tackle someone. It's the most frustrating thing. It's bad for everyone. It's And you talk about it. I think that's why, honest, I think style of play and refereeing – is correlated and i think that style of play is the reason why there's been no national championship national champions in the big 10 since 2000 with tom izzo so it absolutely has to do that because they get into the tournament and then all of a sudden they're not allowed to go murder someone underneath the basket you're not allowed to go shank someone so it's like they don't know what to do so that's my little spiel with the big 10 i think Top to bottom, it's an interesting conference this year because there really is a bottom. Like 11 through 14, Maryland, Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska, even Penn State, you can go 10 through 14, is really bad. They're they're really bad. And then top of the conference, I think there's three teams. I think it's Illinois, Purdue, Wisconsin. I think those there's a top tier with that. And then there's kind of a middle tier with like Ohio State, Iowa. And then there's a, the bubble in the Big Ten is fascinating this year between Indiana, Rutgers, and Michigan because all three of those teams are all in the bubble. Michigan's playing great tonight. They're beating Michigan State by nearly 20 points already, which would be huge for them because they're not in the tournament right now. You're looking at seven to nine teams into the tournament depending on what happens with between Indiana and Rutgers tomorrow night and Michigan, Michigan State tonight. If Michigan wins tonight, I think they're back in the field. If Indiana beats Rutgers, Indiana's in the field and Rutgers is out. So it'll they're they're gonna that's a play in game. And my dark horse team to win the Big Ten this year is Iowa. And I'm going with them because they they've re, they've won four in a row. They're getting hot at the right time. And you look at how the schedule's gonna line up in the Big Ten. Wisconsin is going to have to play the winner between Indiana and Michigan. And as much as Indiana has struggled, if Indiana does beat Michigan, that's a tough matchup for Wisconsin because Wisconsin, they were down by 22 against Indiana. Indiana blew it. They were down by seven against Indiana with three minutes left. Indiana blew it. So, but that's a tough matchup for Wisconsin. And Michigan is a tough, just as tough as a matchup. And you know, that's going to be a feisty game. If that happens, the Juwan Howard rematch on, almost unfortunately rooting for that to happen. <laughs> I think that inter- I think that would be grade A television. Oh, it would so be. I, I think <laughs> Keegan Murray is I think that they're my they're my dark horse team. They're not my favorite to win it. I think that things can shake out for them and I think no one can score like Iowa can. I think they're well, okay, other than Purdue. <laughs> other than Purdue. No one else can yeah. score like Iowa can. Um, for me, I think the most interesting team going in the tournament is Michigan State. Uh, I think that they underperformed. 
I I genuinely think that they have a lot of talent that just hasn't lived up to expectation. But I think once it comes to March, you have a solid defense and you have a really good coach. And then also, I think Walker as a point guard is somebody that could really lead the troops and be a guy that a voice for the locker room. You have Hauser, you got Langford been there, or what's the big guy's name? Langford, right? Are you talking about Bingham or Lang? Langford was their wing. There. Oh, the big, the big skinny guy. Yeah, Marcus Bingham. Bingham. I think he's been there Langford forever. Like, there. Lang- yeah, Bingham's been there for five years. Langford was on the team for like six years. I think he left last year. But they, both those guys are, have been there. for. Well, Bingham's been there for so long. Yeah, that's what they have experience on the roster. And I I'm I love Coach Izzo too. I love like how he operates. And like he – I think he's one of the better coaches in the Big Ten. Like how you were saying, Rob, about like the style of play hurting – I think he's one of the guys that like knows how to flip that switch and make that adjustment when they're playing out of league and out of like in the tournament play. So I think winning a game or two in the Big Ten tournament could really set them up to be successful when it comes to the big dance. So they're my team that I'm interested in watching. Um, I'm going to say Michigan as an interesting team just because like your coach kind of does that for you. Like you're gonna you're gonna respond in a positive way. I feel like uh, I definitely like their talent. Um, Musa Diabate has been playing very very well over the past few games. I know a few games ago he had 28, I believe. Um, but just like through this uh, this team's front court is insanely good. Um, you could say that about most of the teams in the Big Ten, but uh, I really think Michigan's talent in their front court is. Uh, something that could help them rattle off a few wins in this tournament and kind of get them into that conversation to making the uh, the big dance. Yeah, I think that I love that pick, honestly, because if Michigan does make it, I think they're like UCLA of last year where they can make mm-hmm. them out. I really do. And they rely – well, not rely, but I think what's going to be the X factors for them are the two freshmen, Caleb Houston and – or Houston. I, I believe – I heard – I hear it differently on the broadcast, but I think it's Houston that – Caleb Houston, the freshman from Montverde, and um, uh, Musa Diabate, both of those guys, if they get clicking, that, that team has almost more talent than anyone else, including the Gonzagas, the Baylors. Like, you have Hunter Dickinson, who was freshman of the year last year, one of the best bigs in the Big Ten. You have him, you get Diabate, you get Houston, you get a shooters and Eli Brooks, Devontae Jones. You get good freshmen coming in with Kobe Bufkin. Frankie Collins is a good player too. I mean, they have the talent. And that, I mean, they were preseason a top five team in the country for a reason because they have talent. And I know Juwan Howard hasn't been coaching for that long and he has punched people and he has told uh, Maryland's head coach, Mark Turgeon, that he's going to go kill him on the court. So he can be a little bit of an angry coach, but players love it. If I, if that's my coach, I'm fighting for him. If he's willing to fight like that, he, I'm going to fight like exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think when he gets back, that is a scary thing. And I'm, I hate Indiana select that we're pretty much locked in that we're going to play. Juan Howard in the first round. 
Man, but yeah, Michigan, I, I'm surprised that they didn't perform up to standard to start the year, to be honest. But uh, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with who I think is going to win the conference. I think it's Purdue, hands down. I think that they have top to bottom the best team, and I think Painter is a phenomenal coach, and I could talk about Zach. I could talk about Ivy. I could talk about uh, Hunter. I think Hunter's an awesome point guard. Uh, Gills, uh, Gills, right? Gillis or Gills? Mason Gillis. Gillis, dude, that dude could shoot. He and he's a phenomenal role player. Like I, ta- that team is incredible, and I think that they personally they're my pick to cut down the nets in April, um, in New Orleans. But I think that they're going to just kind of this is going to be their little playground, their little warm up, and they're going to win the conference tournament. I agree with that, um, Purdue. Like, not much more to add. The only thing I want to say is like Wisconsin. I feel like Wisconsin has the possibility of winning it but if you it's kind of like if you stop uh davis it's kind of like <laughs> got nothing else uh, like a team i will be talking about in the sec um like it's kind of all you got but you really can't it's hard to stop them <laughs> yeah my pick i mean i i completely understand why you guys go with purdue they have the number one rated offense on kim palm but they also have the number 105 ranked defense so that's my concern with them is that defensively they're not a great team, but I totally get it. I also will never say anything on a podcast saying that Purdue is going to win anything. So, and I will go to my grave with that, but they are a very good team. Then that's the nicest thing you're going to get out of me. <laughs> um, but as far as Wisconsin, I think, for me, the reason why I'm not going with Wisconsin winning, even though they are beating Purdue again right now, and if they win, that'd be the series sweep over Purdue. Only, um, guess how, it, Purdue, Johnny Davis has scored 28% of Wisconsin's points. Now, only three teams in the past 60 years of college basketball have had a guy who scores over 28% win the national championship. Because like you said, you put he has one bad game, they they're gonna they can lose. So it puts a lot of pressure on him, and so that's why I'm not gonna go with Wisconsin. I also do think if Michigan beats Indiana, Michigan's gonna beat Wisconsin in that second round because they're gonna have the momentum. They're gonna go into that game on like a four game win streak. They're gonna be hot, and I think they're gonna win that. So I don't think that Wisconsin gets a favorable draw, even if Indiana makes it. I don't think that I don't think it's a favorable draw for Wisconsin. I think Illinois is going to win it. And I think that's because they they have, to me, they have the most, them and Purdue have the most dynamic offenses in that they can score inside and out. And I think the difference is, is that Purdue is has better wings and better guard play and better shooters, but Illinois has better defense. And I remember watching Kofi uh, in person and, we got there super early. We stood in line at like 6 a.m. to for a noon tip, and we got front row seats. And I remember just seeing how big Kofi was, and it was just impressive. He's the biggest human I've ever seen, honestly. So I think Illinois wins it, and I they won it last year. They're good in the tournament. Brad Underwood knows how to win. I think that they get a more – I'd rather be on that side of the bracket than the side that gets a streaky – eight seed like Michigan, honestly. So that's my pick to win the conference. 
that's yeah they're that whole top three man i think it's kind of a coin toss to be completely honest they're all really good teams and i i agree though the issue with wisconsin is i want to see if the johnny davis fawcett gets turned off what happens you know um but for to wrap up the big 10 what players we interested in watching Jaden ivy Keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best players at college basketball, one of the most fun players to watch. Um, got a little bit of like everything in him, like glimpses of John Morant. Um, just, just one of the like, it's just a, a lot of fun watching him play basketball. That's For sure. Basically, yeah. So. For sure. Rob? So I think. Jaden Ivey is the most electric player in the Big Ten. And I think Johnny Davis is probably the most skilled player. And I've talked so much about Johnny Davis on this podcast, I got to stop talking about it. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Malachi Branham from Ohio State. And today he didn't have a great game. He did score 16 as a freshman, but they um, he's just been phenomenal lately. He's scored – he's had multiple 30-point games. He is really starting to develop. And – um, I think we talked earlier about this, Jacob, about him rising up in draft boards. I don't know if you know where yep. he is. At. No, I don't actually. He was sneaking I'll... into the first round a little bit. Yeah. So, and I don't even think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think he was projected to leave this year for the draft. So, and he, he was still supposed to be a, it was like a Jaden Ivy type deal, like last year, how Jaden Ivy played well at the end and then. He decided to stay. I think the same is going to happen. And then this guy, this guy's going to tear up the Big Ten next year. I agree. If he's, I'm praying he leaves because I think if he stays, he's Big Ten player of the year easily. And he's from the same high school as LeBron. So, I mean, ballers come from there. (laughs) (laughs) But that's my reasoning. As everyone can see, I have great rationale for things. I like Justin Lewis because of Marquette's uniforms. And I like Malachi Brandon. (laughs) Same high school as LeBron, but uh, <laughs> I think that he's just fascinating. I think, like you said, he's on the Jaden Ivy arc, and I'm excited to see if he continues it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm going to go back to Michigan. We talked about them a lot, but I think Caleb uh, Houston is kind of like, for me, it's interesting because he is a lottery prospect, and I just think his overall, like, He's the size, the length, the athleticism, and he's a really high-skilled player. Um, he has a couple kinks to work out, but I think that this March can be a big stage for him to stand up, show out, and put his name put his name higher in mock drafts. So that'll be a fun guy to tune into. And now to the final of the conferences, Josh. Best of all. You go. Intro. Most talented conference in all of college basketball. The most fun conference to watch. The best conference. The most teams that will have a chance, that I feel have a chance to cut down the nets at the end of March. The Southeastern Conference, also known as the SEC to the layman. I feel like this this conference, (laughs) this conference is definitely interesting. Like I said, I feel like they have... Definitely four teams. I think maybe five teams that can make it to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Oh, for sure. I I just uh, – between 
like everybody knows the heavy hitters, Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, um, definitely missing someone. But Arkansas, Arkansas they, they have extreme talent. And um, I – I enjoyed watching them for the the little bit that I got to, but uh, yeah. Um, Rob, you got anything about the SEC? Yeah, I think that it's an interesting conference, top to bottom. They have a couple bubble teams still right now. Florida is on the bubble for them. They have six teams that are locks in the tournament, and then they're one bubble team in Florida, and. Florida's playing uh, Vanderbilt right now, and they're losing by six, which it's not great for bracketology because Vanderbilt, if I'm not mistaken, is not a, a top seventy. They've it, there's a chance that may not be a quad, that may be a quad two game instead of a quad one, which would hurt Florida's resume a little bit. And I think bracketology point that they get six in, and unless Florida goes on a little run. But it's a fun conference for sure. Like we said, young coaches, fun. Dark horse for me. That man, I, I, I gotta go Alabama. They're just they're streaky. They're the team that they if they hit their shots, play some defense, they're gonna win. That's what Bama's good, and Nate Oates is a phenomenal coach. Really fun to watch. I love their high pace basketball brand um for me huh good take bam is good (laughs) but i'm gonna go lsu uh coach wade uh i think that he has one of the most interesting defenses that i think if i'm talking nba speak you can compare him to the boston celtics and their new switchy style of defense um highly switchy and really high pressure um, it's tough for offenses to get in a flow. I know recently they've been like – they started off really good to start the year, and then recently they've been kind of not as good. But I think that that defense, when locked in, is one of the better ones in college basketball, and I am excited to see them if they win a game or two to match up in the semis and final. Hope Like they could do it, I think, based on just their overall scheme and uniqueness. So – they're a team that I'm really excited to tune in for. Yeah, definitely. LSU, Bama, both very good teams. Um, I love LSU's defense, like you said. Alabama, if they shoot good, they're winning a game. Um, they shoot like 27 threes a game, 27 three plus. Like, uh, <laughs> NBA numbers. But it's, it's crazy just to watch them. But like, if they're not making shots, they're not winning. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the only problem with that. Um, but I don't know if this counts as a dark horse, but I'm going to talk about Arkansas. Um, I still feel like people see Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn up there, and they're like, oh, Arkansas, you know. But um, I definitely think that they are honestly arguably the best team in the SEC right now. Um, they're on fire. They're on a four-game winning streak. J.D. Note is – proving himself as one of the best basketball players in college basketball. Some people in this conversation didn't know about him last week, but we can move on about that. Uh, They're just the tough, (laughs) the toughness with this Arkansas team. Um, I did like, 
they still aren't getting enough love that they should be getting. They beat uh, Kentucky last week, uh, Auburn two weeks before that, I believe. Um, I think they beat Tennessee also. Uh, yeah, they did. Um, like it's been three straight weeks with all these wins, but they're they're on they're they're a scary team right now going into March. Yeah, they're a fascinating team. I mean, you look at how they started the year. They started the year on a like eleven game win streak. They were like eleven and zero. Then they lost to Oklahoma by thirty. Then they lost to Hofstra. Then they uh, lost to Mississippi State. Then they lost to Vanderbilt. Then they lost to Texas A and M. So there was a point when they weren't even in tournament conversations in early mm-hmm. January. And then they turned it around and they won around eight, eight, nine straight, including against Auburn at home. And then this last three games that they have home against Tennessee on the road against Florida and home against Kentucky and win all three. That's amazing. So I think they're quality team for sure. I, they're the only reason why I think they're still I agree with you that they're a dark horse and they aren't getting the national respect that they deserve is because of that losing streak that was in January. And I think that people are just like, Oh, like how can a team from that lost to Hofstra like be good? And it's like, well, like people make adjustments, like it happens, like bad games happen. And another guy I love on that team is Jalen Williams. I think that he's a fun big. And I think that, He's bouncy, he's athletic. He should be there again next year. So they have a good they 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 could potentially have an even better team next year than this year, which is kind of scary. So I love muscle men too. Like I said, any shirt, any coach that has a broken shoulder collarbone and takes off a shirt, still in a cast to run around after a win, he's on my favorite coach list. That's a that that was an awesome scene after that game. But yeah, Arkansas. I I've watched very limited. I'm not gonna lie, but the little bit that I saw, they're a really high energy unit, and they're gonna be a tough out going into tournament play for sure. Uh, who do we each have winning? <laughs> yeah, you got. Am I go. Am I going first? Yeah, you go. Ah, uh, I want to say Kentucky because I'm going to the game, but. I don't think they're going to win just because of how much they've been struggling on the defensive end over the past few weeks. Um, They need to figure something out over there. If they do figure out their defensive struggles, they will win. They just keep getting broken down on the uh, one-on-one with one-on-one defense and letting people get into the middle and get into the lane and then just having Oscar Sheboy at a disadvantage on the boards. But um. I feel like it's – I'm going with Tennessee. I think they're – I know I said Arkansas is the hottest team in the SEC right now, but I think Tennessee is the hottest team in the SEC. Uh, they're going to have my player that I'm going to talk about um, after this. But Kennedy Chandler, he's figuring something out. He's one of the top – like the most – he's one of the guys that made that adjustment in the season. Now he's – kind of killing it in the SEC. Um, just this this team plays amazing team basketball. Uh, offensively, their cuts um, on time. Their centers make amazing passes. Uh, even though I hate him, John Fulkerson, very tough, tough guy. Um, uh, just this, this team, they play amazing team basketball. And right now they're playing amazing. For sure. So, Rob, who you got? 
Well, I want to first say with the Tennessee, I understand where you come from, but I was going to go with Tennessee as one of the teams that I think that could potentially be disappointing in the tournament. And that's just because of their, how they play away from the home. They aren't a good team on the road. And I think that's my, my concern with them. And offensively, they are a little bit scary too, but Kenny Chandler, when he's, he's figured it out and he, that team is different when Kennedy Chandler is doing what he's been doing the last like four games. I think that they're, they're a team that they, um, I'm blanking on the coach's name, coach at UT, and he's been in the game forever. What's Tennessee's coach's name? Um, Barnes. Yeah. Yes, Barnes. He, Rick Barnes. He's figured out Rick Barnes. Yeah. He's figured out, he coached at Texas when Katie was there. Yeah. But, um, he figured out the rotations and he benched Fulkerson, which was a crazy move because Fulkerson was the guy who they ran their offense through last year. Now he's coming off the bench. I think Tennessee is a team that could win it. I just think that I got to see them win a couple games on a neutral site before because playing Rocky Top is tough and they, they have a good home court. So my team that I think will win it is Kentucky. I think that Kentucky, Oscar Chibwe is a problem. He is a big problem. He's probably national player of the year. He's does. I mean, I saw a stat that he has more rebounds already than Anthony Davis. And there's like, potentially they have like five more games left in the year, like maybe he's, six, seven. Yeah. He's, he's number four in Kentucky all time uh, right now in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. The only guys that are above him played in the 50s. <laughs> so, yeah. So, he's doing things that are unheard of. I think he had, like, 18 more rebounds today and, like, 18 points against Ole Miss. So, he's unreal. I don't think anyone – if they were in the Big Ten, I'd be like, okay, like, well, Kofi could maybe stop him. Edie could give him a challenge. But there's no other bigs in the SEC that can handle Big O at all. Like, he's just going to dominate in the tournament. And I think that – Kentucky, they've had injury problems the whole year between Severe Wheeler, Wheeler and um, Ty Ty Washington. When those two guys are healthy, this team is not only the favorite to win the SEC, I think they're the favorite to win the national championship. That Those two guys are unreal together. Severe Wheeler is probably the fastest player I've seen since De'Aaron Fox in college basketball, and he's a better passer than De'Aaron Fox. And his he is insane I, I don't know if he has nba like potential but i wherever he he's gonna make a lot of money of europe if he doesn't go nba because he is super talented high tie is makes this team different completely different i mean he he's had games where he scored 30 points at 15 assists and that's just unheard of in college basketball honestly and then i'm not even talking about like Grady and some of the shooters that Kentucky has. I'm sure Josh is just loving this, but <laughs> the Kentucky is a scary team. And the favorite's probably Auburn going in. And I love Auburn. I still think they're good. I just think that, like my UCLA pick, I think if everyone's clicking, Kentucky has the highest ceiling. And I don't honestly think it's close. I think Kentucky, I think Kentucky has the second highest highest ceiling only behind Gonzaga for teams this year for potential to win at all if they're all playing at their best if every single player is playing at their best I think them and Gonzaga are the two best teams in the country yeah Kentucky's a really good team uh but I'm gonna keep this simple and go with Auburn uh I think Bruce Pearl 
is a great coach. I think that this team is special too. Um, they between I think that they're actually I know that they have Jabari Smith, they have Walker Kessler, they got really good athletes in their front court, but I think that their backcourt is what makes them special. Between KD Johnson, Wendell Green Jr., and Zeb Jasper, they're they're the engine to this machine that Bruce Pearl has going. They're they're the point of attack offensively. They are the head of the snake defensively, applying pressure, flying around. The, they're all the tallest one's Zepp, and they're saying six one, and I that's a generous six one. Um they're all just like those three guys are incredible players in their own individual ways. Walker Kessler, I've talked about before on the pod, he is an incredible talent that could disrupt at both ends of the floor and continues to find an even more flow offensively. And then you also have Jabari Smith, who is arguably a top three pick in the draft, and he is playing like it. Uh, smooth jumper, basically unguardable. And you have guys like, from a shooting standpoint, you got Berman, you got uh, Zepp is shooting 36 from deep. They don't have shooters, and they struggled offensively in their game against Tennessee to find offense because a lot of it comes in the paint. But I think that their talent overall and their coaching will get them an SEC title. Uh, so now to wrap up, what players are we interested in watching? Uh, first of all, Kentucky's on a revenge tour. Um, they lost to all of the top three teams. But um, I'm going to go with Zakai Ziegler on Tennessee. Uh, he's... His both his story and uh, just how he's playing this year. He's their motor. He is he's the uh, Grant Will the new Grant Williams of Tennessee. Um, his defensive intensity. He makes the right plays. He really doesn't turn the ball over. Um, he's just he wasn't he did not have an offer until the summer of his senior year, which was last year. He's a freshman now. Um, he's averaging nine points a game on thirty eight percent shooting. Uh, he's not gonna take shots away from like Kennedy Chandler or anything, but he's going to set up the offense. And when he's on the floor, they're really like, they're, they are a different team. And I feel like if they are able to make a run, he's going to be a big piece in that. Rob, who are you looking forward to watching? Yeah, I think I was a little too harsh on Tennessee. I, I think I was a little too mean. So I'll give them the respect that they deserve. They are a very good team. I, I I'm just a little concerned about about how they're gonna play away from home, but they do have a lot of talent. I love Ziegler and Chandler's great. The guy that I'm gonna go with is uh Keon Ellis for Alabama. And it's honestly because that game against Kentucky where he scored 30, and I think it was seven for nine from three, and he was playing amazing defense. And he was just all over the place, getting a lot of steals, getting a lot of blocks. And I think that he is a, a piece to the puzzle for Alabama that if he gets going and um, uh, Shackelford gets going and uh, Q gets going for them, they get they got three guys who could shoot from anywhere and they could shoot volume threes. And I think Keon Ellis is a fun player to watch. And he, he's truly, he, he's a three and D guy. And I think that, 
they got to get him the ball more. They got to somehow get him more shots because he'll uh, he'll go through stretches where he won't um, get the ball, won't take a shot for like 10, 12 minutes, and he he needs he needs to shoot 10 threes a game. So, but I really like him. So that's my guy. Uh, for me, uh, I'm gonna go Darius Days. Uh, going back to my LSU pick, uh, Darius Days is a he's a senior. He's been around. He understands the game at a really high level. He came in with really high expectations from like a draft perspective to being a one or do, one and done or a two year guy. He's ended up being there for four years. He's averaging 13 points per game, nearly eight boards. He's not shooting his best clip. He shot better last year, but he has the ability to shoot really efficiently. And he, overall, he's just a leader for that unit. He, uh, he he's barks defensively. He's able to guard incredibly versatile. Like he's incredibly versatile defensively, where he can match up with basically anyone that's in front of him. He's physical. He's also quick. Uh, I love his like just overall demeanor as a player, where he's he's not afraid to like like kind of like I don't want to say Draymond Green, where he's not afraid to like bark and get up in some someone's face if he like if the situation happens but he's like he's like that he's that leader for them he leads the troops and if he plays well that'll lead to lsu playing well so i'm excited to watch him he definitely is their motor um when when you're you hit the nail on the head with that one yeah i might not watch all the time but when i do i know what i'm doing so that was that was long that was very long-winded um that was a lot though so i i guess you can tell that we're all excited for march i might not be the biggest college basketball fiend but it's always a fun time of year to just tune in watch the games uh jerome got cut out because of technical difficulties but thanks to jerome again and rob josh you got any closing closing notes hopefully kentucky can figure this out I'll keep it short. Memphis court sucks. Blue courts not really loud for college basketball. That's all I have to say. How does their team? Their team and their coach sucks. <laughs> all right, let's pipe down on that one. They may make the tournament, man. Yeah. But um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're gonna have. Uh, I'm gonna put timestamps on different conferences so you can sift through it as you may. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Check out the YouTube. Check out other podcasts. And we will catch you guys in the next one. Peace.